You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome to Real Vision. It's Monday, November 2nd, 2020, just after market close in New York. This is the Real Vision Daily Briefing. I'm Ash Bennington, joined shortly by hedge fund telemetry's Tom Thornton. But first, with the day's stories, Jack Farley. Thanks, Ash. In Europe, lockdowns have officially begun. Germany and France led the way last week. In Belgium now, all non-essential stores are now closed. Uh, Spain has closed many of its borders. The UK will start its four-week partial lockdown on November 5th. Meanwhile, the ECB is slowing down its bond purchases under PEP, the Pandemic Emergency Purchase Program. Last week, we saw the smallest amount of purchases since March, only 11 billion euros. Now, this spells trouble for retail stores. One investment bank noted that about 80% of the profits of retail stores come in the months of November and December. So a double-dip recession in Europe is somewhat of a fait accompli. While the deterioration of the European economy is almost certain, the political future of the United States remains very much in the balance. Political site 538.com ran over 40,000 simulations and has Vice President Biden winning in 89% of them. But you go on a betting site like Predict It, and Biden's lead looks much more marginal. Who's right, the analysts or the punters? I'm sorry, I don't know if I can call them investors. We'll see tomorrow. The outcome of this election affects society, obviously, but markets as well, not just indirectly, but in very tangible ways, ways that we might be able to see on our screens tomorrow. For example, the blue wave thesis has dominated the zeitgeist for the past month, and with it has gone the curve steepener trade. The idea being that Democrats would pass an ample fiscal stimulus package that requires the Treasury to issue lots of new long bonds on the long end of the curve uh, to finance the budget deficit. This is why yields on long bonds, such as the 30-year Treasury, have increased over the past month, and why speculators are the most short long bonds they've ever been, as Rao pointed out in his expert view today, the winter of discontent. But a Trump victory would throw a wrench in this curve steepener trade. Actually, the ultimate fly in the ointment would be a Biden victory coinciding with the Republicans holding onto the Senate. Whatever the future holds, we've been in a holding pattern. Despite the violent sell-off in equities last week, the credit markets have so far held firm. While equities posted a loss of 2.6% for October, even triple C bonds reported a small gain. And that happened during another month of record issuance for junk bonds. Today, by the way, the Dow and the S&P posted healthy gains while the tech-dominated Nasdaq continued to droop. Now, I'm not jealous of the people who have to count the votes, but you know who I am jealous of? The Real Vision subscribers who haven't seen all this great content that we have just today. We've got Rao's expert view. We've got Jason Buck doing a Real Vision Live with two volatility traders. We've got Mike Green and Dan McMurtry talking about passive flows in the market. We've got a crypto interview with Robert Leshner and Sebastian, uh, who's part of our, he's our crypto editor, part of Ash's team. And then we have three new reports, one from John Floyd, from Warren Pies, and from Paul Hodges as well. And that's not even including the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With that, let's go to Ash and Tommy Thornton. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. Welcome back, Tom. Ash, uh, great to be here again. Big day. Great to have you. Big day. Here we are, the Monday before Election Day 2020. Where do you begin in this context? Well, I think the market is trying to price in uh, a Biden win. I think that's kind of what people are expecting. Uh, you got to always be thinking what could go wrong. And I think the big risk uh, would be a contested election. And with the polls tightening a little bit, uh, I think there's that possibility. Yeah. What does that mean uh, in terms of your interpretation of what markets are going to do going forward? How do you think about the risk of a potentially contested election? And what's the potential impact on markets? We had a contested election in 2000, as you remember, uh, between uh, Bush and Gore. Uh, the markets had already been selling off uh, with a pretty rough earnings quarter uh, previous to the election. And the markets didn't like it. And I, th I think they dropped around, around 7% right after that. So I think there's uncertainty with a contested election, obviously. And the market hates one thing, and that's uncertainty. So we just have to see what happens. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of anticipation that there's going to be this contested election and the markets won't care. But I, I honestly, I, I think that um, I think it's a, a precarious time. Um, I hope that uh, cooler heads prevail. 50% uh, of the country is not going to be happy with the outcome. And I think that my hope is that whoever wins will do their best to unify the country and put um, some things at ease as tensions um, out there in the world. Yeah, I never thought I'd say this, but 2000 seems like a gentler time by comparison to where we are today. You know, if there is some risk of an, a contested election priced in, uh, maybe that could become a tailwind if we get a definitive result, which we all hope for tomorrow night. Yeah, I think that there's the possibility of having a couple different swings uh, up or down like we had uh, in 2016. You know, in 2016, we came into the election, the market was more oversold and the positioning was different uh, as compared to now. Um, I used the mark indicators and the Dow on, I think it was November 4th, had a downside uh, DeMarc sequential buy countdown signal. And the market sentiment uh, using the daily sentiment index, I think was at 10%. And yesterday's reading, uh, last Friday's reading for the daily sentiment index was 23. So we still have some downside risk uh, with market sentiment getting fully oversold. Uh, there's also, the setup is different also because several weeks ago we had a sell countdown on the DeMarc indicators and the DeMarc indicators track exhaustion signals from uh, a trend ending or a trend um, ending on the upside or the downside. So I think we're right at a place where for everybody, they just need to watch where the September lows are. And if we break the September lows, and we're somewhat a little oversold, I think there's risk of a much deeper decline. And I'm thinking it could, it could be eight to 10% from these levels here. And you've lost some leadership with some of the big cap, mega cap names. Uh, Amazon really has broken down. 
Uh, I think you've seen, um, you know, Facebook, Apple, uh, they had, and Google, they had good numbers. Uh, Apple and, and Facebook uh, didn't do so well. Microsoft, the same thing. And their numbers were fine. Uh, it's another thing. The market has not rewarded good earnings. And I think that 85% of all the stocks in the S&P that reported were earnings beats, uh, EPS beats, uh, revenue beats. Uh, there's been a lot of triple plays, as Bespoke Research calls it, where you get a beat uh, on the EPS and revenues and then a raise. And even when you saw that, uh, stocks didn't really react positively as they generally you would think they would. So I think there's um, there's a lot of overhang uh, after this earnings report uh, that, that happened. Now remember one thing also, earnings started on October 12th with JP Morgan and the bank starting, and that was the exact high of the bounce from the September lows. Uh, we also had an upside, DeMar that was the day we had an upside DeMarc sell countdown 13. Uh, in the on the S and P and a couple other indices. So my fear, and this is what I've been telling the hedge fund telemetry people: if we break the September lows, uh, it could motivate sellers uh, to get out. And usually, sellers always sell lower. So that's that's the risk. If we hold these levels, we could we could rally, but it, we, it's going to be tough. Yeah. What does it suggest to you about the dynamics, about the sentiment that people are not getting paid right now? They're not getting rewarded uh, for the earnings that uh, are, are coming out pretty well. A lot of companies didn't give guidance. So the analyst had really no clue uh, to go off of with guidance. They haven't had guidance in two quarters. Uh, so they, they just they they were they had guidance that they they came up with their models and um, I, I think that it's also that stocks were priced in they were priced right. in uh, you had a great third quarter of uh, august was a really good month uh until the middle and then um you know things started to get a little dicey but still it was a good quarter you've had yeah. a big run from the march lows so i think that it's just things got priced in i was on last time i think we talked about uh, one of the things that i was watching uh, was the plateauing of some of the economic data. And I thought that earnings data could plateau as well. And I think that's what, we, what, what we're seeing. Yeah, but even in the absence of guidance, Tom, uh, you could always look year over year and get a benchmark for where those earnings have come in. Uh, and yet, at the same time, we're seeing, as you said, uh, there doesn't seem to be a reward for earnings uh, being strong. Yeah, that's that's a sign of an overbought market, and you know we've pulled back about eight percent. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's all we're going to get. But I really think that again, it's a broken record. We break the September lows, all bets are off, and I think that the market's going to be in a in a very difficult place. Yeah, it's obviously look, it's a challenging time right now to have this conversation here on the second. Uh, we know that there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty uh, being priced in. We know that uh, we could have a jump condition in several different directions uh, 24 hours or 36 hours from now, uh, and we could get no news. So it's a bit of a precarious time as investors must look uh, at their screens trying to get a sense of which direction things are going. Yeah, I. I I 100% agree. And, you know, let's just remember there's a backdrop of COVID cases increasing, and that's causing all sorts of uncertainty. It really hit the European markets last week. 
Uh, they bounced today. I, I think that that's sort of a dead cat bounce right now. I think that European markets are going to continue to just to just fade lower, especially if there's you know lockdowns that go further than a month. Yeah. You know, we've been looking at those charts uh, on this program, looking at the uh, infection rate, looking at the mortality rate from COVID. Uh, the infection rate has risen far more steeply than the mortality rate. We may be at the beginning of that curve right now. That's, again, a sort of thing where you feel indeterminacy. You definitely see cases are rising. Uh, we haven't seen, thank God, uh, the kind of waves of mortality uh, that we've seen in the past two peaks, this being the third. Uh, but then again, unfortunately, mortality is a lagging indicator. So again, uncertainty, knowing where we're going to be in the U.S. Uh, in the weeks and months to come. Well, the testing is 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 helping that keep that mor mortality rate low because it's uh, caused people to think and say, hey, okay, I'm, I, I was just tested positive. I'm going to uh, self-isolate or get treatment. And I think that's a real positive. Now, there's also a potential real big positive coming in the next week or two with some of the data. Uh, Pfizer, I think, has some data that they're going to be releasing on their their uh, COVID vaccines and therapies. And I think if something positive comes from that, uh, I think this market's going to really uh, respond favorably. I think that the the tough thing uh, for Trump would be if he does lose and then they come out with a uh, a vaccine. And I think his Twitter will just go off the charts. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, thinking about some of the, the points that we've made here in these first few minutes, a couple of themes obviously seem to develop. It's indeterminacy, uncertainty, too soon to tell. We're going to know in a few days. We're going to know in a few weeks. We're going to know in a few months. So the question that that all naturally begets, Tom, is what do investors do right now? How do you take uh, talking heads on the screen, talking about uncertainty and determinacy, uh, the fact that we're gonna get answers in days, weeks, months, how do you position yourself right now and how do you think about what you're doing in this environment? Well, I, this is really actually a very um, good, good question uh, because it doesn't necessarily pertain to just um, the election, because I think it pertains to a lot of economic uh, data that comes out or earnings data that comes out. Yeah. And sometimes if you, let's, so for example, uh, my models have uh, many of the ETFs that we follow uh, set up short right now, and I've got nice gains in them, uh, which is great. I'll stay short those. And if things reverse, I can quickly turn the other direction uh, as the models make that that change. If someone is just sitting on cash, I don't think it really is a great bet to say, I'm going to put money to work in before a catalyst. And there's a hedge fund manager that I used to work with, and he would take his position off uh, ahead of earnings results. And then once the er earnings results were out and he could see with some certainty uh, the direction he'd be right back in it long or short. And uh, th that would save him uh, a lot of anxiety. And you may miss some of the upside or, or the downside or whichever direction you're going in the market. But I think if you look back to 2016, we had a whipsaw market that night. I mean, I think everybody remembers it was down huge yeah. with news uh, Trump was, was going to win. And then in the in the morning, uh, the market really reversed, and I said to the, my subscribers, I said, okay, "You may not like who 
was elected, but by Goldman Sachs, and I think you're going to have uh, a good trade from from there, and it and it tended to work out pretty well. So let's look at it this way: if you don't know the outcome of a particular catalyst, it's okay to say I don't know, and it's okay to sit on your hands, and it's okay to have a little extra cash ready to deploy. And there's a lot of people that will look at it and say, oh, I didn't buy the bottom. And I, I, I want to say, yeah, but you're going to buy the next 10% or 15% higher. And I think that's what I think people need to understand, that it's okay to sit on your hands, be patient, wait for your pitch as you know, we just have to think that way. We have to uh, not necessarily think that we're going to be right. If you're wrong, let's say you, you, you take a position today and you say, this is going to happen um, and it's exactly what the market thinks is going to happen. You could still be wrong and the markets could still go down. So I'd rather watch the reaction and see how people are reacting and then move in that direction um, and, and maybe a little slower in this day and age with such a big catalyst that w what we have. It's not, you know, I can tell you that I, I remember times where we absolutely, as a firm, we knew exactly, um, we, we were positioned long a particular tech stock. We, we had a very good understanding of, of the trends going into it. They came out, they beat, they raised, um, and the stock went down. It's just the positioning was off. So we have to really understand that the positioning is set up long right now in the market. People are expecting the market to go up after this. You know, we'll see. It, 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 it may not. And you have to just be cognizant of that and, and sit tight. Yeah. You know, I was talking with Raul, I think it was Friday, uh, and Raul said, sometimes nothing is the hardest thing to do. Yeah, I watched that. That was good. I liked, I liked it live. And I'm really jealous of Raul's little underground lair in the Caymans. I mean, that's just, why aren't we invited to that bar? I mean, that's so cool. I don't know, but I do know that apparently uh, where he is in Little Cayman, uh, there's no social distancing in effect. It's a small island. The people who are on the island have all tested negative. And so you can go out to restaurants, you can hang out in bars, you can go about your life. Yeah, that's not what it's like for us here in uh, the Northeast and everybody's panicked and nervous. And I took my daughter, who she just got home from Dallas uh, this uh, Friday. I took her Saturday for a test and uh, th thankfully it came back negative. But it took about five hours for her to sit there and wait in the car, socially distanced, um, to go in to the exact time. And um, but we're all getting tested. We're all getting tested. And I think more, the more we test, um, the better we're going to be fighting this uh, terrible pandemic. Yeah. You made an interesting point about testing earlier. Uh, you know, implicit in that was that the fact that uh, the number of case count is going to rise because testing uh, is happening uh, more aggressively, but also hopefully that it's going to drive down uh, the mortality rates because we're going to know who has uh, the virus. We're going to get a better handle on it and hopefully get people treated earlier. Yeah, it's it's obvious that 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 works. And I, I'm looking at the data in Europe, and it's it, they the testing has caused the spike in um, positive tests to to go crazy, but the mortality rate is so much lower. And so I'm hopeful that okay, if we can do this and just bridge this 
to when we have a vaccine or therapies. And, you know, remember, the vaccine may not work um, as effectively on everybody, and it could cause some um, side effects as well. And and I was talking to a, a doctor and he said, you know, this could be like a, a vaccine that you got to get every six months or every year, uh, like you do for a normal flu shot. And it's flu season starting as well. So it reminds me I have to get a flu shot. So how do you think about all of that with regard to the dynamics of marketing of, of the market right now? You talked about positioning earlier, saying that we are uh, overall position long. How do you gauge that? How do you think about that? Uh, and how do those factors that you just mentioned play in to your view? Well, I look at market sentiment and positioning um, a lot. And again, uh, the market is, the market actually saw the S&P uh, positioning for large speculators in the COT data go up last week. Uh, that is calculated on a Tuesday, and they didn't have the rest of the week, which was a disaster, as you know. But you also have a lot of uh, shorting in the volatility uh, indices. Um, and that, to me, is is maybe more concerning because uh, we've seen it oftentimes where, I mean, we have very high elevated volatility right now, which is really unprecedented going into an election uh, with the markets not so far off the highs. Uh, I, I think it's you just have so much risk with the election, COVID. Uh, it's going to stay high, but people are betting on it. Um, um, you know, we could see... We could, you know, we could see some rather wild swings, and and if that short position starts to unwind, which I thought it looked like it was going to um, Friday, uh, I, I, you know, this market could really get get hit hard. I mean, you you want you want Vic, Vic's positioning the other the other side uh, for fuel for on the upside. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Tom, for people who are not familiar with the Commitment of Traders report and the data that comes out of CFTC, what is it and how do you use it? Well, Keep it very simple. Um, this is these are large speculators versus dealers. Um, you look for large speculators, which are, those are like basically hedge funds, CTAs, and how they're positioned. They have to report uh, their positioning um, on the futures exchange uh, every Tuesday, so it's calculated. Comes out on Friday. Uh, when you see um, the dealers set up, let's say very long. Uh, speculators are on the other end. Generally, they're very short. Um, that could cause a short squeeze because dealers tend to be the smart money and the, the speculators tend to be the fast money that will move in and out. So, um, I mean, I remember having a conversation with Paul Tudor Jones uh, several years back where he said, you know, positioning is everything for me. So I look at this rather closely. Uh, it moves a little slower uh, at times, uh, because it takes a lot to move th something from a positive to a negative. They don't necessarily swing like market sentiment does. But I think right now, like again, in 2016, the market was set up short. So there was a there was a lot of fuel for a short squeeze, which we got. Uh, now it's set up long, and that could be a limiting factor 
uh, for the market to have fuel on a short squeeze. And the other data that I look at with short interest, it, it's relatively low. So you don't have the risk of stocks getting squeezed higher. Um, for example, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, um, some of these big ones uh, that reported, there was short interest on like a half day to cover. Uh, uh, and that is just an absolute bare, bare bottom of how a stock is positioned. So if there's nobody there to, to cover, you could have a, a much deeper pullback uh, if something goes wrong. And I don't know what could go wrong. You know, we just have an election with the uh, most polarized electorate ever. Uh, you've got a lot of tensions, uh, social tensions, uh, race tensions. Uh, I, I'm certainly hopeful that cooler heads prevail. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on a slightly less divisive note, one story that I've noticed getting reported uh, over the last uh, week to 10 days uh, is the shift that's happening with regard to the view that people hold toward cannabis. It seems there have been a spate of articles that I've read in the last week or so uh, talking about how there really isn't a lot of conservative opposition uh, to cannabis any longer. I remember reading polling data uh, a while back saying that the, the distinction between people who self-identify as conservative versus progressive, uh, as you look to younger generations, young conservatives just don't care about cannabis uh, any longer. They have no opposition to it whatsoever. What does that potentially portend uh, as we look forward? And how does the election play into that? I, I think cannabis stocks have the opportunity to rally. And um, it's kind of obvious because uh, the Biden-Harris uh, campaign uh, stance is that uh, they will legalize cannabis. Uh, and I, I think that's a positive. I think they're also going to decriminalize cannabis. Uh, so I think that's a real big positive. And I think socially, uh, you have a lot of people that, okay, let's, you know, have a good time and um, edibles and, you know, all sorts of uh, vape pipes and all sorts of stuff is, is it's sort of more common. Uh, so I, I think there's a, a upside there. And the businesses are actually doing well. There was a there was a bubble, it burst, and now it's you're starting to see those um, those stocks bottom out and and recover. And I think that this is a market that likes these animal spirit type plays, Bitcoin, the tech stocks, um, Tesla, and if the cannabis stocks get moving, I think there's going to be a big move there. So the ones I um, I talked with Todd Harrison, who I know you know very well, and um, the one uh, ETF he really likes is MSOS, and that's the that's a cannabis um, ETF. It's it's a newer one, Advisor Shares. Uh, uh, it's based. It's more of a U.S. based uh, cannabis play versus the MJ, which I also think is has a lot of upside as well. Uh, that has a lot of Canada, uh, Canada uh, exposure in there as well. So I'm not an expert in there, but I will say that uh, this is a sector that I think um, could really uh, take off. I also have another one uh, that I just was working on. Um, and I've, I don't know why, but I played the coffee market about five times in a row over the last several years. Um, we have downside to mark exhaustion signals. 
uh, and it's beat down really hard. Every time I've had those, and this will probably be the last time it, it, it probably won't work now, but uh, it really, we've seen 20% gains in, in coffee. And so you could do um, an ETF, coffee futures, which are a little tricky to trade, or you can buy the ETF JO, Joe. So those are, um, those are some areas I like on the long side. Yeah, cannabis, definitely an interesting one to watch. Hadn't heard about the coffee trade. You watch, it's, everybody's going to love coffee. I think, um, I think this is going to be a good trade. Interesting. Tommy, final thoughts as we head into this election tomorrow. Well, look, we have a big, big catalyst happening in the next couple of days, and I'm not sure if we're going to even have uh, an outcome. Uh, I think that right now it's very dangerous when people have very strong convictions of what they think is going to happen. So as I've said, I'm waiting for the catalyst to pass to see the reaction, um, assess the situation, put some money to work. Uh, I think that people will make money in the fourth quarter. Uh, the seasonality tends to be good in the fourth quarter. You're going to have a stimulus package one way or another that the market will start to price in. So I think right now it's just stay in the next few days um, in a you know with dry powder, have some cash ready to go. Uh, and again, if things something goes wrong, uh, be careful because something could slip um, below that September level. So right now, I'm uh, very cautious um, on both sides and just think that uh, one should just uh, keep an eye out for opportunities and, and be patient. So be afraid of people who have very high convictions during times of great uncertainty. I think so. I think we've seen a lot of people with real strong convictions uh, find out that uh, their candidate didn't win, um, polls were wrong. Uh, the markets went the wrong direction, even though something happened that they thought would happen. So I think there's a lot of variables there that we just have to be aware of and uh, be patient, be smart. Don't be, you know, you don't have to hit a home run here um, ahead of the election. Yeah, very wisely said. And try not to argue with friends and family on Facebook. It doesn't change anything. I have a... Uh, no politics rule in our house uh, right now. Uh, we're going to watch Netflix probably tomorrow night, not uh, CNN or Fox or any of that. I don't, I don't have any interest. Good luck with the next 48 hours. All right. Tom Thornton from The Bubble, thanks for joining us. All right. Take care, Ash. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.